Welcome to the 1844 Podcast. I'm Tim Lowell, your host. And this week, our guest is Noah Brzezinski. Hi, Noah. Hi, Tim. Good to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you, too. So we've been talking about how we, we do this, and the first segment is always, what is your cricket journey, or how did you get to cricket, or whatever it is I say usually. <laughs> so, yeah. so Noah, so uh, what is your cricket journey? How did you get to cricket as an American? Well, let, let me ask you, uh, okay. as I understand it, you you discovered the game as an adult as well, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So just that premise alone is is, is sort of has colored the entire experience, right? Like discovering uh-huh. it as an adult means something so much more different than growing up with the game. Right. You know, like I, I get to approach it. I, I get to approach it with no nostalgic bias toward anything because yeah. I'm, I'm just experiencing it for the first time and it's and it's new and it's exciting. So I'm really glad to be here uh, to talk to someone else who's experienced <laughs> it yeah. and obviously fell in love with it the same way I do. Um, I, I did. All right. So how did I first discover it? Well, um, my first exposure to cricket was when I was in college, a friend of mine, for some anthropology class he was taking recommended a documentary it's an old like 1970s film reel documentary it's called trobriand cricket and it's about a group of anthropologists who were studying uh some remote group in papua new guinea and this group had been first exposed to cricket by cricket uh by missionaries by British missionaries in the early 20th century. And after the missionaries left over the course of several decades, this group had created a religious ceremony around the game of cricket. So they would have like a five-day religious festival that had a lot of cricket features involved in it. Um, and, and so the, the documentary, it was a, an anthropology film about these people. But at the same time, I learned just a little bit about cricket to just have a sense of some of the lingo. Um, but I never really knew anything about the game at all. What, what, what actually got me first into cricket was a, a complete combination of boredom and accident. It was August 2012. I was in Chicago. I had absolutely nothing to do before my final year of law school. Um, I, I had been interning somewhere else that whole summer and got back to Chicago with a little bit too much time on my hands before the semester started. And I was sitting at home one day just flipping through ESPN.com. I was trying to find a replay of a college hockey game uh, from earlier that year. As you and I talked about briefly, yeah, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a big NCAA hockey fan. And I couldn't find it. But instead, there was this... T20 World Cup from Sri Lanka. And I looked at this and I guess what immediately drew my attention was the international aspect of it. I thought, oh, this is cool. You know, I'm, I, I love the Olympics. I love international sports. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, I'm going to watch this while I teach myself the rules on my phone. And within a couple hours, I was totally hooked. T20 cricket was just so cool. It was yeah. it was really interesting. I had the faintest idea what was going on. Yeah. I was looking up basically everything on Wikipedia as I was watching, but I got really into it, and I wound up watching pretty much that entire tournament. 
And I remember, uh, I remember the the great West Indies team from this tournament. Uh, they they were the ones that were featured the most, and they were the team that won it eventually. Right, this was right. Chris Gales, several Bravos, Sunil Narine. Yeah. And and when that tournament ended, you know, with with no context at all, I didn't really know what was next. But because I was sort of familiar with the West Indies team, I kept up with them on the internet and a few days or weeks later they began a test series in bangladesh and i had no idea what a test match was i had only just learned the basic rules to t20 cricket so i yeah so i started watching this test match and it blew my mind um i I, I guess what I didn't like about T20 was the sort of home run derby aspect of it at some yeah, point. Yeah. And when I started watching a test match, I, I remember I remember when it dawned on me that for the most part, the number of overs doesn't matter. Yeah, right. And that was just so cool. It, it's about wickets. It's not about balls remaining. Um, and, and I just honestly became immediately obsessed with with the the mechanics of the game and i really have not stopped watching it since i watched the rest of that uh west indies bangladesh series that would have been in the fall of 2020 i was scouring youtube for bootleg uh bootleg copies of old ipl matches to watch more about that i suddenly started following the english team and then um for me, the the real moment that I knew I was absolutely hooked on this game was in March of 2013, the England versus New Zealand series. Uh, the final match of the series went really, really late into day five. England was impossibly far behind, and uh, it was Monty Panasar, the the bowler for the English side, and I forget who else. Yeah. But it, it was just this heroic moment of survival on the final day in the final session with hours and hours of fast bowling coming at these guys. And they were able to survive just by bunting the ball into the ground over yeah. and over and over again. And, and and when the final ball, when the final ball was bunted safely onto the ground and the crowd went crazy and the players went absolutely nuts. And I was jumping up and down in my Chicago apartment. It's like 4 a.m. And it's a draw. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. It, it, it was this crazy. It, it, it was this crazy realization. I can't believe I'm so excited about a draw. What is this? What is this sport that has suddenly injected itself into my life? Yeah, and, and that without, was yeah, and that's without being able to get to go to the matches and watch them in person too. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't imagine actually being there. I mean, fast forward. Fast forward seven years, the the World Cup last summer, England versus New Zealand, it goes to a super over. Oh, yeah. I was curled up in a fetal position on my couch. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't I can't imagine actually being there in the stadium for that. Yeah. It's so intense. And and so from March of twenty thirteen until the present moment, I have watched more cricket than any other sport. Yeah. Um I've been I've been really fortunate to to travel, uh, I, I went to London to see a match at Lords, or oh, to wow. see. Wow. I, I went, yeah, I went to Newlands this past Christmas and New oh, Year's. Oh, amazing! Um, it, it has been incredible. I live, so I live in South Florida. Uh-huh. I live about an hour away from the Broward Cricket Ground up here, uh-huh. where they where they do have some serious matches from time to yeah, time. Yeah. 
as as we're recording this, the uh, the U.S. Cricket Open yeah. is, is going on about an hour north of here. Uh, yeah, I, I mean this this is this has become such a large part of my life. It's gone to the point where my friends are making sure I don't talk about it too much on first <laughs> dates because it, it's just yeah. Oh man, it's it's uh, I feel I I feel for you so much. <laughs> do you know Do you know the moment Do you know the moment when you feel like you first got it when you first understood You know. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I've talked about it before. I was listening to the the Bugle podcast with Andy Zaltzman and I'm sure who Andy is and right. John Oliver at the time. And John was going off on something and he stopped talking and Andy just didn't respond. And and John was like, "Are you watching the Ashes?" <laughs> <laughs> goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, in the middle of his own podcast, he was yeah. not paying attention, and he was watching the ashes. And so I was like, "What is? What is he? What is that? What? What is the ashes? I have no idea what that is." And so I, I just typed it in on YouTube, and it popped up, and I started watching it. I, I don't remember what YouTube. You know, it's probably some somebody in India was was rebroadcasting it from sky or something i don't know mm-hmm. so and it was a really terrible you know uh quality but you know i it, it i think uh it was in australia that year i think and yeah it was around christmas it had to be so um you know it, it would start at like four four or five o'clock in the afternoon and then you'd you know it would go till midnight so i'd started watching it you know pretty much i don't know i don't know which um i don't know which test it was if it was the the one before the boxing day test or the one after the boxing day test i don't think it was the boxing day test itself but so i was watching one of those i think it was in january so it was after the boxing day test so yeah i mean i just started watching it and you know like you i mean what is going on here did they have to get them all out they have to get all of them out (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's gonna take forever (laughs) and it did it did take forever it took like four days and i was like well you know i mean i guess it's like a golf tournament i mean it's the same kind of a concept i mean golf tournament for four days yeah Uh, and and that's actually i've I've described it to people the golf the golf analogy works just as well as the baseball one um you know we've I feel I'm sure you would agree. You spend a you've spent plenty of time trying to explain to your American friends how how yeah. the game works and yeah. the the idea that it's it's slow paced over five days uh, yeah. is so foreign to people. But yeah, it's a golf tournament. You're, yeah. you're watching a whole you're watching every minute of a golf tournament as you chew your fingernails off. <laughs> well, yeah, if you have a rooting interest, especially you are right. Like, like, there's so there's so many test matches where I'm just like you know, waiting for something good to happen. You know, I'm just kind of sitting around for a couple of wickets to fall or, you know, you know, just for a, for a, a, a bunch of runs to be scored. You know, I don't really, I'm not really like this, this Australia India one. I mean, I, I would have been great if I'd have been able to stay up last night to watch that, but we'll talk about that later. But sure. yeah. So, um, so, uh, after 2013, so you've been, okay, let's, we'll talk about Willow later. Did you have Willow? You have this? I do. Okay. Yes. So it's funny you mentioned, you know, the, the poor quality of streaming, like uh-huh. my, my cricket technology progression has, has matched my interest in it. So yeah, I've, yeah. I've had an ESPN subscription forever because of college hockey, but, yeah. um, but yeah, uh, ESPN broadcasts the New Zealand West Indies matches in super high definition, yeah, which yeah. totally totally thrilling um but i remember you know i i would have a 
I had a, an old desktop computer that I would plug into my television. Uh, so I'm using a, a normal web browser, not, mm. not like a dedicated media player. And it, it was one of those things, you know, where you go to some completely shady website and you have to close a thousand pop-up ads <laughs> yeah. before you get to the actual video. And, and it's one of those things, you know, where you remember like, oh, I've got to close this and then open this, then drag this here and then it'll open. <laughs> Yeah. And and now yeah. and now I have a Willow subscription and I'm watching, you know, I'm I'm watching the Dubai T20 tournament. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or uh the uh, Lanka Lanka Premier League is going on or what? Right. Do you have you had a chance to play the game at all? Yes. So so fortunately in South Florida it looks like there's I mean it, it doesn't look like there are quite a few leagues. Uh-huh. Um what what I have found frustrating, and I, and I bet you would agree with me, is that it, it's pretty hard to know. Looking at amateur leagues all around the country, it's it's pretty hard to know like what's official, what isn't, what's what's yeah. you know nothing, nothing's official, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, there's there's there seems to be no consistency from one season to another, and yet it's like always the same fifteen guys organizing mm-hmm. all the matches everywhere. So over. Over the last couple of years, I've reached out to a number of just local casual leagues, and usually by the time someone emails me back, the league is defunct. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, so I'll I'll drive out. Most of the most of the matches around here um, are about an hour north of where I live in in Broward County, Florida, uh-huh. and you know I'll go out there and I'll see a bunch of people playing on the weekends and like, hey, great, and I'll approach them and say, you know, I'd love to join you guys here. Here's my business card, and no one has ever gotten back to me until about a year ago. Until about a year ago, I got. Uh, in touch with some people for a league that's a little bit more established. I now play on the Miami Chargers. Oh, nice. um, yeah, I mean, I'm. They haven't yet let me bowl in an actual match, and I think I've gotten like two career runs, but it's been really fun. Um, I did actually get to play in a charity game at Newlands uh, when I was in South Africa. Oh, nice. Which was really really cool. Um, you you you're probably familiar with the uh, the cricket writer journalist documentary guy uh jared kimber oh yeah yeah you met jared yeah so oh, wow. i i it, it's a whole long story but um i was in i was in south africa for the purpose of going to that match um i planned an entire vacation around going to a five-day cricket match and uh jared kimber was in the elevator with me at the hotel <laughs> And yeah, I, I introduced awesome. myself. I bought him a beer. I poured my heart out to him, oh, and man. then the, the sort of stayed in touch with him. And the next day, I got to play uh, with a bunch of journalists against some of the Barmy Army uh, oh, organizers at Newlands. It was really fun. Oh, excellent! Really nice group of guys. Oh, that's that's a dream come true for me. <laughs> I, I would love to meet Jerry. <laughs> love to totally, get him on my podcast. <laughs> totally, totally nice guy. I'm, I'm sure he would love to talk to you too. You know, he's got, <laughs> he's got several media projects. Yeah, um, he's pretty busy. He's pretty he busy. definitely is. And, 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 um, you, you know, again, it, it, it's, it's easy to get carried away as, as someone who's discovered this passion as an adult. I've obviously gotten carried away with it several times, but, uh, Talking to a professional sports journalist uh, uh-huh. about cricket 
uh, w- was at once thrilling, but it's it's also kind of disappointing uh, because all of this is so normal and routine for him. Yeah. You know, and and I that's the experience that I had going to England uh, and and later going to South Africa. Um, of course, cricket is extremely special for all of these people, but it's not new or interesting in the same way for them. So I, I feel like I've gotten a bachelor's degree in I've gotten a bachelor's degree in the anthropology of cricket, whereas these people have just grown up in the tribe. Right. Yeah, like they yeah. they know what they know what everything is intuitively, and I'm still learning it for the first time. With, with Jared Kimber and and some of the other journalists I've I've conversed mm-hmm. with, uh, you you get the sense you get the sense that they're fascinated as well by Americans who found the sport as an mm-hmm. adult. Oh, you man. know, they're they're they're, uh, they're they're also kind and they humor us when we talk about it. it it's you know, I noticed your your Twitter. Your Twitter description, you describe yourself as a yeah. uh, as a convert and an evangelist, and I can't yes. remember where I first heard that phrase, um, but I know I've heard Jared Kimber say that. Uh, Peter Dela Pena is another yeah. journalist yeah. who uses that phrase. Um, uh, I, I guess my point is they they humor us so much, and they what? they love talking about it as well. It, it it's been remarkable to me how friendly everyone's been uh, mm-hmm. around around the world um there every everyone wants to know how how does how does an american discover cricket yeah. especially as an adult everyone assumes that i'm british australian or south african yeah yeah um i am not uh but interestingly i grew up through for no particular reason i grew up around a lot of south african people i'm from i'm from san diego california originally uh-huh. and we have quite a large south african population huh. um and and yet you know cricket i i have no memories of cricket at all before uh, that film i mentioned in college um but returning home to san diego and talking to some of my uh south african friends parents they are bewildered that that i speak cricket fluently uh, <laughs> in, in particular i remember you know i'd go to my optometrist or I, I had an optometrist appointment one summer i was home and um you know the man the man was very kind and he was sort of humoring me like oh okay that that's that's nice this this kid likes cricket now um but yeah, no, I'm I'm no longer just a tourist to it. I, I was yeah, able to yeah. I was able to talk with him about you know current cricket events and yeah, and yeah. some finer points of strategy and <laughs> um yeah it, it's bewildering the, the the reason I mentioned the phrase you know a, a convert and an evangelist a, the zeal of a convert um uh-huh. I I have been around people I've been around people who have late in life um, converted to a religion different from the one they were raised in or have uh, rediscovered uh, rediscovered faith in. And they are, I understand that passion now. <laughs> I understand it. I, I yeah. you know, I, I, I can think of a time in my life where I rolled my eyes at those people, but I, yeah. I, I now, I mean, it's been eight, eight years, but I understand, I understand what it's like to just, discover something uh something so concrete and self-contained that you can just completely throw yourself into it 
Yeah. I mean, for me, I, you know, I was just thinking about as you were talking, you know, um, why, why do I like this game? I don't know why I like this game so much. It's just, there's, I guess the reason, one of the things that got me into it was because it was the dead of winter and there was nothing else going on. And, right. uh, you know, I was watching the ashes and I was like, well, I mean, this is great. I mean, they're down there and they're down there in Australia. They're playing cricket. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's their summer. And look at that. Look at that. Look at those stadiums. They're amazing. And it's not like Australian rules football. Cause I used to watch that when ESPN had it back in like the eighties mm-hmm. and I'd watch that. And I was like, Oh, this is pretty neat. But you know, I, I never got into to sports where there was a lot of flow happening, like basketball or uh, soccer, Australian. I, I I like them. I enjoy watching them sometimes, especially if it's a big match. I'll watch soccer, definitely. Like, um, you know, English Premier League, if it's like, you know, um, an FA Cup game or it's like they're they're coming down to the wire in the Premier League and, I, you know, somebody's got to win and I'll watch it. And it's really exciting. I mean, I know there's like a million people in the stands and they're going crazy and singing and doing chants and everything. And it's really interesting. But, you know, the game itself, I, I never could understand because I just I don't have that kind of brain where I know I can look five moves ahead and see where I'm supposed to be. I, I It just doesn't. I don't, I don't function that way. Basketball is the same thing. I don't, I don't watch basketball, hockey, you know, I don't, I don't, I only watch hockey because of college hockey. And even then I don't watch it that often. So, um, any sport like that where there's flow, I just don't, I don't get into it. Yeah. So, so that's the, that, that's, that is the closest relationship cricket and baseball have is that so each, each situation is so self-contained. Right. Um, I understand you're an engineer. Yeah. Right. So the yeah. the, the statistics alone. Oh yeah. <laughs> must just must just thrill you. Blew me away. Yeah. I couldn't believe some of the numbers they were coming up with. I just like these are these are fantastic. I mean, and, there's got to be there's got to be uh, you know advanced stats that they're not even thinking about doing. And you know, Jared, you can talk to Jared about that. He's been big mm-hmm. into advanced stats. Right. Yeah. So, all the advanced stats are are amazing. So I know I know people who I would call baseball savants uh-huh. you know I, I i know i know people who uh have a ridiculously deep knowledge for baseball statistics and uh-huh. and trivia um and i'm i'm sure i'm sure it's more common than i realize but yeah like you say the the, the number of different things they choose to keep track of yeah. in cricket like these these three-dimensional modelings of of where the of where the the uh of where the balls go yeah for instance the 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 bowlers the bowlers heat map the beehive they call it oh yeah yeah that's incredible and and you know you see you see they do that stuff in baseball but in baseball it seems more like an afterthought yeah you know whereas in cricket like they spend months and months they spend months and months planning for the the six square inches where they're going to hope the ball winds yeah. up. <laughs> That's right. And then, you know, you got the wagon wheel that they show you. Yeah. Where the batsman hit the ball. And the Manhattan, which I love. I love the Manhattan. I like the Manhattan. I like the worm as the worm. well. The worm is great. Yeah. I used to do that when I was like, if I was bored at work and I was mm-hmm. listening to a, I'd, I'd put on a um, uh, blast match because uh, they start at like 1230. So it's good to get you right through to the end of work. <laughs> Yeah. So I put the blast match on and I I would follow the worm on my Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> That's great. No, I I have a I had a little notebook where you know as, as I was teaching myself the rules, I was also teaching myself or trying to teach myself how to keep score properly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
And yeah, it's, it's incredible. There, there's 10 different things that, at least 10 different things that they're recording for every single ball yeah. over a five-day match. And, and then you dig around, uh, uh, for instance, on ESPN, which has just been invaluable mm-hmm. um, for learning about the game. But, you know, you can go into the statistics and you can dig so deep yeah. into these things. I, I was trying to I was trying to remember the name of a player I, I expect we'll, we'll talk about in a minute um, on the New Zealand side. And he's played fewer matches than I realized. Uh, it's their, their relatively new guy, um, Kyle Jameson. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I was just curious cause I couldn't, I didn't know, you know, how many career wickets does Kyle Jameson have? Right, right. And, and not only could I look that up, but now I'm like ESPN, they'll give me, you know, his elementary school teacher's height you know, and if you can <laughs> exactly. dig in, yeah, they'll, they'll, dig they'll, into a preposterous yeah, level. Wikipedia has Wikipedia has a page for every guy I, that's ever played, basically. If you ever, oh played. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, somebody, somebody in Wikipedia is a cricket fan because right. quite a few of them probably. So, uh, yeah, they, I mean, every any guy that comes on the screen, I can look him up on Wikipedia, and they've got his whole career and everything. It's amazing. Um, oh, I was going to tell you about. Um, do you know about the Sports Reference um, website that has Baseball Reference, Pro Football Reference, uh, um, hockey, hockey Reference? I mean, you must have you must look at the Hockey Reference one. I don't see. Yeah, so so I look at the Internet Hockey Database. From okay, time to time. it's a different one. Okay, it's a different one. Okay, what what was yours called? This one's called Sports Reference, and they have the, all the different sports. And I I've, I've been begging them to do cricket, and they just haven't come around. But oh, I see. they they have the best. Um, search engine for doing anything. I mean, they have a fantastic search engine for doing their st- sports that they do. I'm and looking at it now. This is really cool. If they had cricket. It, I would, that would be so amazing. If you're interested in that, maybe <laughs> talk to Jared. <laughs> yeah. Next time you see Jared, <laughs> see if he can get that moving. Cause uh, I, I've asked those guys. In fact, you know, the guy who runs the hockey reference, his name is Adam Woden. And I played in a stratomatic league with him <laughs> back in the early nineties. And he, he left the league because he was too busy, but I, I never did. <laughs> I'm still in I'm still in the same league I was in in 1993. Is, is that the same Adam Woden from College Hockey News? That's the one. That's the guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. I did you know Adam. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know him. Yeah, I right. I love uh, I love their website. It's it's the best place to go for college hockey news. There, there's a number of podcasts um that I think he's been on. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, what a small world. I know. I was in Stratley with him. So, yeah, I, I didn't ask him directly, but, I mean, you know, he's he's not a cricket guy. He's a hockey mm-hmm. uh, I would love if, if the re- the sports reference guys did cricket. If anybody is listening and wants to see something like that, because the ones that are out there now are like, I, I just, I don't think that they're, they're, they don't have the same mentality as an American sports fan. So it's really hard to, to dig into things. And I don't know. I don't know what it is that I don't like about the other cricket stats uh, places. Places. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I think they they go more by the outcome of the game instead of the stats themselves, <laughs> which is what I really want to see. I want to see you know each individual player's stats. Yeah, you know, I know what you mean. Yeah, they don't do it. They 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 kind of get more into you know the ball by ball and what happened in this game and was it a win, a loss, a draw. Or, or, you know, what happened in the game? How many wickets did they win by? They get more into that, and it's more geared toward that instead of breaking it down by player. So I don't know. 
Well, I'm not sure if, if, if they're ever going to they're ever going to take up cricket. But, you know, one of these days, maybe that would be you know, that's how we know cricket has arrived in the United States. <laughs> if the, ref, the sports reference people. Well, um, I, I, I was just I, I was just thinking how interesting it is. There's like seven of us and we're all linked together on Twitter. How important is it to you that the United States be good at cricket? Well, I think from my standpoint. I, I would like to see them have a decent enough team that they could get to at least say where Ireland is maybe. And really? yeah, that would be, you know, they, Ireland just got, you know, their test, uh, they were just made a test nation, which, you know, that'd be really difficult for England, for uh, the U S to get to, to test status. It would take, you know, many, many years, but um, if they could, I mean, Ireland is a pretty decent team. And I mean, you look at, let's say, um, I was thinking of a team that uh, uh, Nepal and Afghanistan, especially Afghanistan. Yeah. Afghanistan is like in the middle of a war for the last 25 years. And right. they got they got test status. <laughs> so, so, so I'm I'm fascinated by the story of, of the Afghanistan cricket team. I, I think that's yeah. a I'm, I'm I've, I've seen there. There are a number of documentaries. Um, there are a number of documentaries that tell that story and. I, I keep waiting for someone to put together like a, a feature length, proper, yeah. uh, well produced one about it. But right. yeah, I mean, th- th- there are players, there are players on that team who know nothing but a life in a war zone, yeah. and yet, you know, they're international athletes now. Yeah. So I mean, it can be done. <laughs> right. It can be done. <laughs> There's nothing special about Afghanistan people that makes them, you know, good cricket players. I mean, they're just right. They just applied themselves and they they got it done. And they love yeah. it. And they yeah. love it. And it's been it's been great for their country. Um, same with Ireland. You know, Ireland, I, I, it, because Ireland and Afghanistan achieved their their status at the same time. I, th- I think they're yeah. sort of linked in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the Ireland team is an all Ireland team. It, it's it's yeah. the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. And that's yep. just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's one of the few things where they, they you know, actually agree on something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, for the to answer to your question, I mean, I, it would be nice if they, you know, could compete at least with some of the big eight or big 10 or whatever you want to call them, um, once in a while. And, you know, like if they, if they could ever get to the point where they could schedule a match against India and in the United States, I mean, that would be an insane <laughs> atmosphere. I mean, they'd have to fill up a very large stadium to play that. And I don't know, that might take a hundred years to happen if, if ever, but, but I mean, I I just, I I would love to see the United States playing India in a test match in the United States. Cause I mean, everybody would have to pay attention because it would be such an event. You just have to, it would be on television somewhere because, on, re- on regular television somewhere, probably. I mean, you know, ESPN or one of the other sports networks, because it would have to be, because there'd be, there'd be sixty thousand people going crazy. Right. <laughs> and you know, even if, and by that point, you'd think there'd be ten or twelve or fifteen million cricket fans in the U.S. So there, w- there would have to be uh, enough of a, an interest that people would have to notice. It wouldn't just go by completely unnoticed, like everything in cricket does now. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean. The U.S. team uh, is is a long way away. I mean, and what they're doing now, it looks like, is they're trying to get a lot of expats to get to maintain the o- ODI status, 
And I think that's what they have to do. They have to maintain the ODI status to get the games so that they can get, you know, uh, talent to flow through the system. And then once they have the games, then they can play the games and then they can get more experience and they can play more games and then so on and so forth. Right. It's a real long term plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it makes it makes perfect sense to me that there's an emphasis on developing the youth game mm-hmm. um, with with. with uh, children uh developing the children's game there's a gentleman who of course of course i'm forgetting his name now he's um i'm sure you'll know it uh this man he lives in maryland he's very involved jamie harrison jamie harrison right um i I don't know him but it seems very it it seems like his passion is getting children in into yeah he's a teacher so he had he had a big he had a big advantage over somebody like me (laughs) i wasn't a teacher Every every time I meet a PE teacher, I always tell yeah. them, you know, you got to get yeah. your kids, you got to get your students into this. Yeah. Um. I think I think that's important, and and that that's going that's going to help. But I had another idea that okay. uh, I I'm not sure if 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 enough attention has been put on on this aspect of it. So are, are you familiar at all with American college cricket? Yes. So I saw uh, again in Fort Lauderdale. Um, it, it was right. It, it was it was a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of schools um, that don't compete in Division One NCAA anything. I forget right. I forget right. exactly which schools it was, but it wasn't you know it, it wasn't some name brand college that I would remember. Right. You know, but but then there was Yale. Uh-huh. You know, like the the yeah. Yale and and I think Harvard as well. Like Yale nice. and Harvard are here. These kids are here on spring break. That's awesome. Um, you know, come to Florida for cricket mm-hmm. tournament and spring break. And and I was I, I mentioned it be, because uh, in addition to in addition to coaching the next uh, youngest generation of, of cricketers and introducing them to the game at such a young age, I just wonder why there isn't more emphasis on approaching um, college kids. Uh-huh. You know, I, everyone you ask will have their own idea for how to grow the game in, in the United States. And I think I think people have to enjoy cricket and enjoy playing it before they'll take it seriously. And and I think there's no there's no better group who, who just wants to have fun playing a sport than college kids. Yeah. I, I, th- I think about um, how ultimate Frisbee, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ultimate Frisbee went from just this like silly thing that the theater kids did to yeah. to now to now Ultimate Frisbee is huge yeah, yeah. Or, or relatively huge you know and then and I think it's it's because it developed in uh, in the university system I don't know anything about what it takes to yeah. actually get a yeah, to get a sport sanctioned uh, at the NCAA level but. One thing that occurs to me, and I don't, I don't have any stats on this, but um, you, you went to Clarkson undergrad. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to, I went to Cornell undergrad. Um, there's, there is a very, very large population of South Asian students at large university and and yeah. local regional universities. Yeah. Like not even at universities. There, there's a very large, there is a very, very large South Asian population in this country. Right. And I would wager that. I, I would wager that the South Asian student population isn't as involved in the larger traditional sports as, as right. other populations at, at the universities. Right. This could be a great way. Yeah. This could be a great way to uh, 
normalize intru- and and you know and diversify the the face of of student athletes across the country. That this is a, I mean, they already know the rules, right? Right, right. They grew up with it. You know, there's a ton of they got a ton of colleges involved on this, and I don't know where it's going, but I think it's you know it's getting to the point where in a few years they're going to have to either NAIA or NCAA some kind of a umbrella organization that may be separate from the NCAA to just to, to, you know, to codify everything and get everybody working on the same page. I don't know where it is, but it's, it's, it's growing. I mean, I mean, I don't know how much you've been following, but it's growing. It's, it's growing pretty fast. So I, I understand also, you know, I think the largest challenge for the college aspect is, you know, the, the student athletes are around for four years and then they're gone. Right. That's, um, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, it, it, it's hard, especially when almost all of these teams are completely uh, student-run and student-supported. On, yeah. at, at that, they're no, they're no more established than the club level at, right. at most right. of these universities. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember a few years ago I was emailing back and forth with the then captain of the Yale team, who I met at the at the American College Cricket match, um, trying to get. Uh, trying to get some ideas from him to see if maybe we could organize like uh, a, a tournament, not through the ECAC, but of uh-huh. all of those schools in that region. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, well, so here's, here's the million dollar question. What's, what's your idea for growing the game <laughs> in the United States? Uh, boy, we'll talk about it uh, later. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's, it's, it boils down to, to kids. I mean, it's gotta, it's gotta follow the soccer uh, um, yeah. template. It's got to, I mean, cause who would have thought in 19, I mean, I, I was around in 1975 or six when Pelé was playing for the New York Cosmos mm-hmm. and, you know, I saw it, they'd show it on TV. That was the weird thing was that it was on like ABC <laughs> because they right. they'd get, they get like 70,000 people at the Meadowlands to watch these games because, you know, it was soccer and everybody loves soccer, you know, in the rest of the world. So they'd get, and Pelé was there. So they'd get huge crowds and then ABC's, you know, like if we're going to get that kind of crowd, of course we're going to put it on TV. So they would put it on TV and it would be wide world of sports or whatever. And they'd show the games. And I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, I, I'm, I, I don't really know where this is going, but it's kind of a one-off. Maybe they'll get somewhere. <laughs> and then the NASL, I started following them a little bit, you know, as a kid. I mean, I was, I was living in the middle of nowhere in New York state. So it wasn't like I was going to go to a game, but I'd see it on TV sometimes. And, kind of just follow it. And I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I didn't know that 30 years later, they'd be showing the English premier league every Saturday and Sunday (laughs) on NBC. I didn't know that, you know, and and look where, I mean, so they sowed the seeds there in the seventies and now it's 50 years later, it's taking 45 years later, it's taking, taking root. And it's, you know, it's growing exponentially at the moment. I mean, you you see all kinds of people with their arsenal shirts and their, yeah, Man United shirts, and every time I'm walking in a large group crowd of people, I see, you know, uh, all these uh, English Premier League and La Liga and Bundesliga. <laughs> you know, you've got all these American stars now are all over Europe, and I mean, it's crazy. I mean, but it took a long time. It, it, it's going to take a long time, and you're going to have to start slow, and you're going to have to stick with it. And you know, I, I what I wish was there was a play that would, like I just said. Uh, the 70,000 people in the stands, if there was a, if, if there was a way to get Coley <laughs> to play in a cricket match uh, in the United States, I mean, and, and, and not just 
one match, but like a series of matches. I mean, that would everybody would have to pay attention at that point because if if Coley showed up and we wanted to play a match with the rest of the Indian players, right? Somebody would have to televise that. <laughs> I, I I would hope. You know, I I have a suspicion. Steve Smith, Virat Kohli, Chris Gale could the yeah. three of them could walk down the street in New York City together yeah. and nobody would know who they were. Well, that's true. But then if you tell them, you know, if you say there's a cricket match with those three players in it in the United States, people would thousand people will show up. That's true. They'll, they'll I, fly. They'll take a bus. They'll take a train. Whatever they have to do to get there. To so it. It, it's interesting. You 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 know, I I love I love the story of how soccer became popular in the U.S. And you know, I'm I'm a product of that. I played soccer growing up, and it sure. probably would have been completely bewildering for my parents to have played soccer when when they were children exactly. in New York. Exactly. But I remember, um, you know, I'm a I'm a child of Southern California. I I distinctly remember how just one day hockey was everywhere <laughs> uh, in the early '90s. You know, there was yeah. the Wayne Gretzky gets traded to the LA Kings and all of a sudden hockey's on television. It, it was yeah. never on television before. Yeah, and that's then, the thing. It only takes like one guy. Yeah. And then suddenly the San Jose Sharks exist and then the Mighty Ducks movie comes out and then suddenly the Mighty Ducks exist. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if you could make a children's movie about cricket that wasn't just like steeped in cliches. You know yeah. how do you, how do you make a good children's movie yeah, about yeah, yeah, bend it like Beckham except uh, cricket somehow. Right, and and <laughs> and there's a million movies like that I'm sure, yeah. which which already exist. But that that could be another way of just introducing young people to the game. Um, but, you know the you ICC know, they, would want the ICC would want a 90% cut on the revenue. <laughs> they might if you, if you did a movie like that. That's one of the issues. Because <laughs> the ICC wants their cut of everything. So. Mm. They might they might get involved. It's true. But, you, you know, there's no end of ideas for for how this works. Um, I, I, I'm fascinated in the business side of, of this as well. You know, you look at um, the international roster of characters who own IPL teams. Yeah, um, it's it's Australians. It's Brits. Um, Marky Mark. Marky Mark. No, yeah, Marky Mark has a, he's part of the um, Talawas, I think. Really? He owns part of the Talawas. Yep. So I was thinking, you, you know. Good for him. I'm looking on Wikipedia right now. Good for him. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a big yeah, Barbados Tridents. I Barbados had no Tridents. idea. I got it wrong. It was not Talos Tridents. Good for him. Yeah, I I was wondering, you know, um, what one you know what one aspect of cricket which which we've discussed is is the you know the international aspect of it, and there's uh th- there's quite a lot to be said for the importance of sports in the developing world. I mean, obviously, it's been very important to Afghanistan, but also it's it is a popular sport and it's important in um, sub-Saharan Africa and uh-huh. and obviously in the Caribbean. Yep. Um, and with uh, with the attention, the the extra attention given to the West Indies team uh, this summer, I, I think there, there's plenty of opportunity for American investment um, from from a charitable standpoint. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it it's not money being spent to help communities at home in the u.s but it's definitely good pr um and it's and it is important it, it helps it, it helps uh developing countries it helps developing countries build name recognition around the country that's yeah. one of the beauties of international sports yeah. and and so and so i think you know there's there's got to be people out there who 
who would love to have their name on, you know, a a cricket academy somewhere in the developing world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, any kind of investment you can do in sports is going to, well, the one thing is people att- pay attention to sports. Right. For better or worse, <laughs> people pay attention to sports. So whatever, if you pay, if you invest in sports and you're going to get people to pay attention to whatever it is you're doing, and then you can, you know, tell them about all the other things you're doing. Have you ever had, have you ever had someone challenge your, your love of cricket, uh, by, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just one one guy I grew up with who thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I mean, in the, in the in sort of a darker sense. I mean, there, there's yeah. something to be said about it being, you know, this relic of colonialism. Oh and, yeah. Um, nah, not really. I mean, you know, everybody that I have talked to about it is already a cricket fan. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't, I don't talk to people like like I think if you were you know living in England, you'd get a lot more of that because you know they know the history. But yeah, even like a guy like a guy like Andy Zaltzman loves cricket, and he he's constantly talking about you know uh, colonialism and how terrible. Right. Yeah, and and I mean, look, every everything's a relic of colonialism yeah. at yeah. some yeah. at some point, and the, and you know the, this is. This is why sports is sports in general are special. They're they're a break from that. There's the yeah, sanctity right. of the playing field, and you know, not everything has to be not everything has to be measured by how oppressive it is. Right. And 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 you know, in in the develop in the developing world, the the reasons they love soccer and the reason they love cricket is is uh, you know directly tied to their histories, but. If, if you look at just how proud the Indians, the Indian cricket fans are of their team, uh-huh. you know, it it's it sort of would erase any it, it would erase any concern I think anyone should have about that aspect of it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we've uh, talked at length now with Noah about his uh, cricket journey, and uh, we need to move on to some other segments. And I, I promised Noah that I would edit that down to. Um, something uh, coherent yeah, and just I think four, four or five hours of us yeah, talking. I think, I think it won't be too much of a problem, but you know, it's great. So anyway, so let's move on to the next segment, which is current events. Um, we have to stick to the format because you know, that's how podcasts work. So um, current events. So let's talk about last night. <laughs> yeah. So wh- when did you, uh, did you watch it live? The, I did. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was a Friday night. I knew I didn't have to get up early today. So yeah, at 11, at 11 p.m., I switched over to Willow, and I think it was over at 11:35, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> the job done, Australia. Um, yeah. So, so I, I've watched. Uh, I watched most of day one, and then none of day two, and then I watched all 45 minutes of the match last night. Um, what is there to say? I mean, India, India had a decent i guess first innings right nothing uh-huh. nothing too spectacular i guess 240 244 is a little low but it's nothing anyone's going to remember and then when i saw australia australia gets bowled out for 191 in their uh-huh. first innings um that seems a little low that seems a little low seems to people uh in people started panicking a little bit on the internet and then austria and then uh india What's the polite way of saying it? India gets their. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what curse word is allowed on, on this podcast, but it, India India gets their clock cleaned 
Yeah. Last night is is kind of the the polite way to say it. Thirty six, pulled out for thirty six. Were Were you able to watch any of it? I didn't watch any of it. I went to bed. Uh, you know, I figured <laughs> I would. I figured they'd still be playing when I would get up because I get up early. And but they weren't playing when I got up, and I was like, "What's going on?" And oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at the scorecard. Uh, Prithvi Shaw, four runs off four balls. Oh. Ag- and, Agrawal. He, and he was bold yeah. for a duck the, yeah. the previous yeah. innings. Yeah. Right. Agrawal, Agrawal, nine balls, nine runs off 40 balls. <laughs> Boomra, Boomra. What's Boomra doing up in that order so high? I didn't know. I, I thought he was a bowler. Okay. Two runs off 17 balls. Pujara, duck off eight balls. <laughs> Coley, four runs off eight balls. Oh, that poor guy. Oh, man. They didn't, none of them got into double figures. None of them in double digits. What was what was going – I mean, I didn't think the pitch was that bad, right? I mean, it, I heard them say like uh, – they said that it was um, it was like COVID. They, it, it, the, the, you couldn't see it, but, but the numbers are there. Right. Oh. <laughs> that's somebody said. oh, that's dark. Yeah, um – Oh my, yeah. Uh, the the announcers, you know, we're another another wonderful difference between cricket and American sports. We're used to American sports casters bending over backwards to yeah. sound neutral. Yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. Australian the Australian cricketer the Australian cricket announcers were confident. <laughs> they were confident that Hazelwood was not done with with the early wicket. They. Uh-uh. Just the, the way the ball was behaving, the way the pitch was behaving, they knew Hazelwood was going to have a big day, and they, they were calling his shots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just can't – I mean, I just can't imagine India scoring 36 runs in a test match. I, I, Total I, collapse. I, I can't imagine it. I, it just boggles my mind. Just look at this scorecard. <laughs> Nobody got above nine. <laughs> no one got above nine. You, you know, th- this has been the – this has been the Southern Hemisphere summer of collapses. You look yeah, at uh, what New Zealand New Zealand was able to do to the West Indies yeah, over yeah. the last couple of weeks. They, they had a they had two collapses, two matches in a row. India India is going to need to reset, but uh, they'll have to do it without Virat uh, Kohli, right? Yeah. Because he's he's going uh, to be present for the Eternity. birth of his child. Right? Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Well, I, you know. I mean, I looked at the first innings, and you know, Coley had a seventy-four. That was pretty good. And, That's okay. Uh, you know, they. I mean, <laughs> it's very okay. Shod, you said like he got a duck. Yep. And but yeah, I mean, I just, I just, I, I can't, I can't even picture what was happening. I mean, I, I, these guys are like the consummate professionals, especially at batting. I mean, mm-hmm. they take a lot of pride in their batting. <laughs> What would you compare this to India's India's performance last night? What what comes to mind as oh, a comparison boy. to an American to an American sports team's collapse? Well, there's the the two in football that jumped to mind. You know, the Oilers. The Oilers weren't as good as the India team, but the Oilers were up 35 to three in the first half and lost the game to uh, the Bills. Of course, and they were playing on the road, so that's the same thing. Um, and then of course the Patriots were up, were down twenty-eight to three, and came back and beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And of course, this isn't the quality of the Super Bowl. So. Right. Um, maybe, maybe you know, uh, where are some other epic collapses? I, I was actually at a baseball game where the St. Louis Cardinals scored eleven runs in an inning, and then lost the game 
15 to 13. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so that was, that's kind of similar. The Cardinals were pretty good, uh, you know, back then. That was, and the Astros were still up and coming. It was in the Astronome. So, uh, it was, that was similar. Um, let's see. I'm, I can't think of anything uh, else off the top of my head. Where you I, I mean, not a whole lot, not a whole lot to to dissect in that yeah. match, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, what's shoot? I I forget his name. Uh, his first name, Green, Cameron Green. Cameron yeah. Green didn't even get to bowl in the second inning. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even fifth bowler. He, yeah, they didn't need him. He gets brought up. It is his debut. Let's see. In India's first innings, Cameron Green, I don't believe he got a wicket. No, he didn't. He bowled only nine overs. In, so this is India's first innings. This is Cameron Green's debut match. Uh, everyone else bowled 20 or higher overs. Cameron Green, they gave him the ball nine times. Uh-huh. Uh, two maidens, only 15 runs. So he had a, an economy of uh, 1.67 runs per over, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's I didn't, I mean, this is, uh, this was, where, where did they play this match? Uh, where was this? This was, oh, where was this? Adelaide. Adelaide Oval. Yeah, I mean, Adelaide is not known for being a bowling paradise. Is it? <laughs> so I don't know. Actually, that's interesting. Um, that That's the other thing we, we were going to talk about is the, the behavior of the ball and, yeah, the, yeah. and the grass in different yeah, locations. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Cameron Green, Cameron Green, I was looking forward to him. I got to, I got to watch a little bit of the the Sheffield Shield season. Um, again, just you know the varying quality of cricket broadcasts around the world. It, it looked like it was just like someone's handy cam on a on a tripod for the Sheffield Shield match, but it was fun. Um, I was looking forward to seeing Pukowski, but unfortunately he's been injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another young Australian guy who was expected to make his debut this summer. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Cameron, the, the story was Cameron Green on debut, does pretty well in the first innings, doesn't get any wickets. How did he do batting? He gets 11 from 24 batting, and then they didn't even have time to let him bat again or bowl again after that. So his debut for Australia was about 70 minutes of work. And he gets a baggy green cap and a lifetime memory. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Worth it. And we got it. the win. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the Boxing Day test. I mean, I, I've been talking about that on, on Twitter. I mean, uh, just just love, you know, after, uh, of course, this year, we are not we don't usually go anywhere on Christmas. But, you know, it's 5 o'clock Christmas night. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, you just settle down and uh, there's the test match on and. You know, you just watch that until you fall asleep. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I love, I, I love the idea of it. it's a national holiday. It's a yeah, five yeah. day. It's a five day national holiday. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think New Zealand's playing on Boxing Day as well this year. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Against Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I can go back and forth. Yeah. It's done. It'll be on two different channels. That's right. Right. <laughs> yeah. so that's nice. Um. Okay, so uh, not much to talk about with West Indies and New Zealand. <laughs> not much either. Uh, what what I was really what I was really looking forward to with the West Indies team um, uh-huh. was I wanted to see Raheem Cromwell. Uh, sorry, I keep uh, Raheem. Raheem. Yeah. You know they they always take him along on these yeah. test series, but they never put him in the match. Yeah. Um, I I've been a fan of his for a while. Like I. Uh, 
eight years ago, I remember watching him play in uh, the domestic league in the West Indies. Um, and I mean, it, it's just fascinating the size difference, <laughs> the, the body, the different body shapes that cricket yeah. brings. But the man is the man is a foot taller than everyone else on yeah. on that side. Um, and it's great to watch. And, and so I, I was so interested in this because uh, the West Indies now have a quite tall, towering person on their team as well. This uh, this guy, Kyle Jamison. Yeah who's brand new for them. Um, but unfortunately, Rakim didn't get to play, uh, and Jameson was man of the match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Williamson, 251 in the first innings of the first game. That was uh, the, that guy is just so much fun to watch. I mean, he's just a technician. I mean, he's, just, like, he's, a, he's a clinician. <laughs> he just goes out there and does a clinic every time. He's amazing right. to watch. You know, th- there's, no, there's no sense of pressure at yeah. all yeah. with that him. Guy, has no ego at all. He just he just plays. He just plays the shots that he wants to play. He bat all day. Yeah. No yeah. problem. He's he's an amazing guy to watch. I mean, that's what one of the things, you know, when you don't when you're not watching cricket for the first 40 years of your life, you don't even understand these guys. I mean, these are some great sportsmen that that people are just not they don't know anything about them. Kane Williamson, what a great sportsman. I mean, there's there's so many. There's so I mean, you know, Coley, he's kind of annoying. <laughs> I hate to say it. <laughs> You know, it's but, it's funny. It's funny how he's good. branded. The guy's a very good yeah. player. He's he's an incredible athlete. Um, you know, it, it is it is funny. They sort of the, the media narrative around him is sort of this like villainous. Yeah. He, he's, he's portrayed as villainous in in a yeah. way. Um, yeah. which is not good. <laughs> not, not totally good, but you can see. But they do they do catch him on camera sometimes, getting a little bratty yeah. with, with the players around him. But speaking of capturing things on camera, um. Uh, Shannon Gabriel. Uh-huh. Shannon Gabriel for the West Indies uh, was caught on the mics. Uh, it, it looks like the video has been taken down from Twitter, but you can okay. see him. You could hear Shannon Gabriel just screaming at his teammates for dropping a ball. <laughs> yeah, that's a tradition in cricket. That <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't really think that would fly in a lot of other sports. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. So I was joking around with another friend of mine about who the stars of the match. The, the stars of the series, West Indies versus New, uh, West Indies versus New Zealand. The stars of the match are uh, Jacinda Ahern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She, she gets credit. Yeah. The new gigantic lurch fellow on the West Indies yeah. side, Kyle Jameson. And then for the West Indies, it's uh, whatever valet convinced them all to do trust falls before they got back on the bus because they, <laughs> they definitely needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just got embarrassed. Two two test matches in a row. It, it was clear very it was clear very very early on that there was no way the West Indies were going to win. the The object of the match was going to be to see if they could secure a draw, and that I think put a ton of pressure on Jason Holder. Yeah. Um. You know, it's like the afternoon of day two, and everyone's already concerned if the West Indies are going to survive three more days. Yeah, I mean, their 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 pace bowling is too good for that i mean southie is amazing yes wagner wagner that guy <laughs> that's another guy that i like to watch he is he is intense <laughs> you know he's an extremely intense bowler he is extremely intense and and though I've, I've seen interviews with him um when he's not on the field he he's got such a different personality yeah he, yeah uh, and all those all those kiwi guys are so nice <laughs> yeah, right that's how they trick you <laughs> yeah then right. they go out there and they act like you know <laughs> They got their bowl like they're 
maniacs. I love I love watching Trent Bolt and Tim Southey bowl. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's such a natural movement for them. It's it's um it's so throw. smooth. Right. I mean it's 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 like it's like a javelin throw. Mm-hmm. Their their motion. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, they are that that's just a great team to watch. I, I like um Ross Taylor. He's just, you know He's steady, fun. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> he's yeah, always, that's it. He's he's totally steady, right? And they always they always look to him. They always look to him on whether or not they're going to review things. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they got some good young players too. I mean, Latham is good, Nichols. I mean, they they're they're just, you know, they're a they're a they're now atop the test rankings. Which I would love to see them in Australia play a test mat test series. Yeah, I don't. I don't, that's I don't even. I don't even know if they have anything scheduled. No, I don't think they do. I, they would be the World Test uh, Finals if they were at the moment. Right. Um, if which they I, if they if they do it, yeah. But I love I love the idea of a multi year long tournament culminating mm-hmm. culminating in a. Is it one? Is it going to be one match at the I end? I think it's one series. I think it's one I series. Think it's five, I think it's five matches. Yeah. Good. That's the way it should be. So okay. So let's move on to uh, segment three, and that's a good enough of an uh, uh, introduction. We'll just go with that. So <laughs> sure. segment three. Segment three is I like to do. What does this remind you of? And you came up with some good ones, and we'll go we'll go through yours. Okay. So um, okay, playing services. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. That's a good thing. So what what. I mean, in, in American sports, I mean, I can't think of any sport other than like golf. Golf is the one that comes to mind where the playing surface is huge and they always talk about it. It, it almost seems like in golf, they don't even talk about it to the extent they do no, in cricket. You're right. You're right. Um, no, no, it, no, no, of course. Yeah. yeah in, in golf, they take it for granted that the, the greens are immaculate. They'll, they'll talk about slope. They'll, they'll, yeah. I, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are people who, who pay a significant amount of attention to it at every PGA tournament. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's not really a feature of the broadcast in the way in the way that cricket is. Um, the the last two New Zealand matches, it was literally the opposite of watching grass grow. It was fascinating yeah. to watch this yeah. like neon green pitch <laughs> deteriorate over yeah over the course of the game. Um, I remember so again the San Diego. Pod, the San Diego sports experience. I remember in 1998. In 1998, it was the Yankees and the Padres okay. uh, in the World Series. It's uh, Game Three at Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego, and uh-huh. George Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner is getting absolutely trashed in the in the San Diego media uh, because George Steinbrenner made some jackass comment about the quality of the grass at Qualcomm <laughs> Stadium. And, and he was treated like such a, a snobby dilettante. And, and, and it's funny to look back on that, you know, 22 years later, and now I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with the quality of the dirt in Adelaide, Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got the, uh, Indian subcontinent is a totally different type of pitch and type of, uh, and then, you know, of course, just the, the weather in general and the atmosphere is totally different and it makes a huge difference on how the ball behaves. I love that. What, yeah. what other, there's no other sport where yeah. that seems to matter quite as much. Right, and, right. um, 
I mean, you could say grass and artificial turf. It used to be a big deal in in Major League Baseball because I mean, like the Cardinals used to like build their team around speed because they played in a an astroturf concrete bowl, <laughs> and you know they know they knew they could hit high choppers and get them into the outfield and then steal steal all the bases and. <laughs> So, I mean, that, that they built their team around that stadium and you don't see that anymore in baseball because they're all they're all kind of grass. And uh, yeah, except, except they built that new um, Texas stadium, uh, the one in uh, Arlington. They built it with artificial turf, which I was shocked. I guess it's because they, they wanted to have the roof on or, you know, closed most of the time because it's so hot and they didn't feel like they could grow grass in there. So they built which was really strange to me in this day and age to build a stadium with artificial turf. I, I think about I don't know are you I know you're in Texas are you by any uh-huh. chance a, a King of the Hill fan as well Oh yeah yeah I, I watch that all the time. <laughs> yeah I, I mean one one of my favorite episodes in King of the Hill is is when the the guys take it upon themselves to be caretakers for the for the high school football field Oh boy and and they and they get they get you know super in depth with it they decide okay we're going to try to make the grass longer by the sides to slow down the other team's uh <laughs> wide out you know or we're we're going to make the grass shaggy in the center to freak out the other team's kicker that uh-huh. kind of thing and 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 so I'm I'm fascinated by the strategy that goes into the groundskeeping yeah. in cricket it's like these guys are an integral part of the team oh, absolutely. which is yeah. so cool and then it comes down to a coin flip yeah <laughs> it comes That's down right. to a coin flip what do you what do you think about that uh do you think so a, a thought I had would is that the visiting team if you were to do away with the coin flip the mm-hmm. the visiting team would get to pick right batter bowl and that that might take that aspect out of the game uh a bit um yeah i mean i don't know i mean <laughs> I, yeah i don't know i don't know i mean i i i kind of go along with whatever they want to do <laughs> as yeah. an american i'm not going to try yeah. to <laughs> tell them what to do on this point <laughs> listen fellas <laughs> yeah i've got some ideas let, let uncle sam tell you how to fix this thing that's not broken that's like this one time i was watching soccer and uh i didn't like the 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 way that they do penalties. Cause I mean, you get, you get taken down in a penalty and it's an automatic, you know, it's basically a goal. You know? Yeah. Right. And I no just, one's... I was like, there's gotta be some intermediate step where you don't get a goal for, for <laughs> right. that. And then I got yelled at by like, you know, 50 <laughs> soccer. Right. Say, oh, oh, tell us what to do after, you know, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> this is, this is your sports been around for 120 years and now you're trying to tell us what to do. Okay. So I, I you know, I think about how in baseball, I think about how in baseball, I forget it, the exact number, but it's something like they go through a hundred balls in a nine inning. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I again, fascinated how the deterioration of the ball factors yeah. into the strategy of the match. Um, you know, in a, at a baseball game, you, you show up and you catch the ball in the stands and it's a treasured souvenir. <laughs> you go to a cricket match where the ball itself, the ball itself is this holy object and the fans readily, with no no prompting, no problem yeah. at all, no security guard has to convince them. The fans eagerly return it to oh, the yeah. players because because that's, that's what the game ball. You have to. That's the game ball. <laughs> I remember uh, so you know attending attending a five day match. At one point, uh-huh. I wondered like, okay, so overnight, where is the ball? Uh-huh. Where is the ball? And and someone told me the ball is locked in the umpire's room at the yeah. stadium. That's yeah, where true. it is. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I mean, the, I guess the the reason for that is it's it costs like one hundred twenty dollars to make one of those things. Yes, 
So uh, yeah, yeah, they they really have to do that because uh, you know they just don't they don't they don't have uh, you know a box of balls that they can bring. They just you know for for a hundred dollars or whatever. So and they and, have to. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, well, yeah. So so actually, on, on that note, some, something I'd never seen before, but I guess is is common. Um, before the most recent Australia India match, uh, the bowler Mitchell Stark. Mm-hmm. was on was on camera with one of the match referees and they present to him as, as the home team or, or the team that's bowling first they present to him a box full of brand new cricket mm-hmm. balls yeah pink pink balls which is interesting yeah yeah because of the day night test yeah so so the bowler you know he's there and he's weighing all 15 of them and he's inspecting <laughs> them and he's rubbing them on his fingers like they were diamonds yeah, yeah. Look, looking for these millimeter differences yeah. that are going to completely affect how the ball behaves over the course of a five-day match theoretically right right, right. Wound up being, you know, two days and fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that that is just, I guess, it's a function of the rules. I mean, because you know, the ball, because the ball needs to deteriorate to really start getting wickets. You're not yeah. going to, you're not going to get wickets until the ball, and they, so they want the ball to deteriorate in a certain way. And of course, they're always shining up one side so that they can, you know, make the ball swing in one direction or the other. And then they invented reverse swing at some point. <laughs> which some of that was, you know, because of tampering with the ball. <laughs> so that's, that's another thing that compares a lot to baseball. I mean, um, you know, the old days with the spitball. Right. And all that. And they had to ban the spitball and then, you know, same thing in cricket. They had to ban a whole bunch of stuff. To, to yeah. So I know, it, to... I know in baseball, you know, b- before the game, the, the umpires will rub a special yeah. mud on the ball yep. to, to get yep. it to a certain condition. But then, you know, a player, uh, a, a player hits a foul tip into the ground, yeah. and now the ball's moderately scuffed up, and the yeah. umpire throws it into the throws crowd. Yeah. yeah, we're done. Um, I have, you know, p- playing, and then uh, just as a tourist, I've bought a few cricket balls, and I've got them at various places around my office and apartment, just mostly as paperweights. Okay. okay. Um, and it, it was such a joy for me, in 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 uh, in this past year playing actual matches uh, to experience the t- deterioration of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at the beginning of the match, it, it's this perfectly shiny thing. And the captain yells out just so everyone's on the same page about which side of the ball we're allowed to rub on our pants. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, three hours later, the thing looks like it's been through a wood chipper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's part of the strategy. It's, it's, it is really something that I, I didn't understand the first time I was watching the ashes. And then, you know, it sort of grew on me over the time that, Oh yeah, that that's an integral part of the game. Uh, keeping track of the ball and manipulating the ball in the ways that you can that are allowed. And it, I mean, it makes a huge difference. You can see it. I mean, it's very obvious, you know, from watching the replays of the, you know, they do the slow motion replays of the bowling and you could see the swing, and, and you could see, you know, how it, uh, you know, when somebody, when a, uh, uh, somebody bowls a googly and it does the wrong in motion, <laughs> I mean, it's really obvious uh, that the ball, the state of the ball is a huge factor in that. Of course, the state of the pitch also. So um, I, I love also they throughout the course of the match, they'll keep the, the umpires will keep a, a sort of mental note of the state of the ball. Right. So if the ball does actually go missing, they'll replace it with one yeah. that, that 
according to the rule, has wear comparable with that previous ball that had yeah. received. Before I don't know the how they figure that out. Right, right. Like, do they do they just take? Yeah, because it's not replaced. So that is a good question. How do they know? Like, oh, this ball's fifty overs old. Well, how do you know? <laughs> they probably have a method. <laughs> no, I'm no, sure. everything else I know about cricket, they probably have. You know, this is a fifty over ball. This is the forty over ball. This is a and seventy then, over ball. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and they're all under lock and key. Okay, so you also want to talk about Jerusalem syndrome. So tell me about yeah. that. What's going on there? So Jerusalem syndrome, again, in a very in a very amateur anthropologist kind of way, Jerusalem syndrome is a psychological feature where people, when they attend very important places, particularly places with religious significance like Jerusalem, uh, they they tend to experience a physical reaction, a sort of mania, um, because they are surrounded by uh, s- such an important location. Um, it, it, it's the the act of being in the spot itself imbues a lot of people with, with a sort of passionate uh, mania. And um, you'll hear stories every now and then about like emergency rooms in Israel having to treat tourists uh, who uh, find themselves just completely enraptured hmm. by the place. And it, it happens uh, in similar religious locations around the world. It happens in Jerusalem. It happens at the Vatican. It happens uh, in Mecca every year. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, it, it's fascinating to me that people experience this. And I know, I know that I have had a similar s- sensation going to famous American sports locations. Uh-huh. Um, I, I distinctly remember that feeling of going to Yankee Stadium for the first time, old Yankee Stadium for the first time, and walking uh-huh. around the monuments in uh, center field. Um, Fenway Park, the same way. Uh, Wrigley Field, the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Especially Cooperstown. Cooperstown, New York, the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, literally is a shrine. Yep. I remember feeling no such thing going to Lords in, really? in London, England. I mean, it was it was special. It was special, and of course, I understand the significance of that stadium. But what was more interesting to me was to observe other people experiencing this, huh. and then going into the museum, the the Cricket Hall of Fame museum that's attached to Lords, uh-huh. and uh, again having the experience. Having the experience of of seeing all of this um, memorabilia that means absolutely nothing to me, but was precious to everyone else who was there. Yeah, fascinating. And and you know it's it it gets it gets to a level of uh, mundaneness that I'm sure Cooperstown had, but I don't realize it because you know I grew up with baseball, and baseball is baseball carries this like implicit holiness because it's our national pastime. But when you see it for another sport, even a sport that you love, when you see it in another country, it's so funny because it's like, you know, you, you go to Lords and they're behind three inches of glass is like, this is the shirt. This is the shirt that Tim was wearing during the famous crow match where a crow, <laughs> where a crow famously sat on the weather vane for the entire second innings and you know and he got bowled out for a gentlemanly 36. Anyway, this is the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, boy. "Oh, okay. This is the shirt." 
Okay. <laughs> so that was the feeling. Uh, have you experienced this? Have you experienced this sensation in a famous sports location? Um, I would say, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, being a, a, a child of television, you see these venues on television over and over and over and over again. And then when you go and you, you go there in person, very little is surprising, amazingly, because they, they'll show you all, you know, they'll show you like behind the, the Fenway wall and what it looks like back there. And then they'll show you, you know, down the concourses and they'll show you the aerial shots. And so you've seen every single angle of this ballpark before you've ever gone there. And so you go there and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is what I remember on television. <laughs> and so I, I just never felt like a sense of wonder or reverence. Cause I mean, yeah, this is, this is the place I see on TV. And um, I'm trying to think if there's any, park that really surprised me or that you know like i would think for me going to lords even though i've seen it on tv i have never you know i've never been in uh the the great hall there if i ever was able to see that i think that would be amazing um because i hear about it and i they, they do show some video of people go, going through the great hall and lords and then kind of getting a sense of the the slope of the field i think you can't yes, really do that, that on television cool. That yeah. was cool. I, I, yeah. um, my seat, my seat for that match was, uh, just below the new media center there. Uh -huh. New, it's like 10 years old at this point, but, but just below the media center there. So I had a perfect, I had a perfect view of that slope. Mm -hmm. Um, that was cool. Yeah. That was I, cool. Like they're playing at a five degree angle. Yeah, I know. It's I can't, I can't picture that in my head. And then, um, the, the old scoreboards, I would like, I guess they're, they're still mostly there, the old scoreboards uh, in most of the, like um, I went, I was in Cardiff for the um, world cup last year and they didn't really have any old scoreboards there, which I was surprised they had a, you know, modern scoreboard. I thought they would have at least one, you know, non mechanized or like a, uh, you know, manual scoreboard that, but they didn't have even one manual scoreboard. So I was kind of surprised. Uh, I, I was looking at someone, someone posted a photo of the scoreboard from last night's India, Australia match. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, it's also, I mean, again, could nerd about this for hours, but again, just fascinating how the Australians keep score differently from yeah. everyone else. <laughs> backwards. Yeah. <laughs> they do it backwards. Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah. They don't someone do that in New knows. Zealand. <laughs> I know. Someone knows. It's not a Southern Hemisphere thing. It's just, yeah. it's just a them thing. Someone uh, knows. Uh, Newlands was was beautiful. I think I think they're like the the nature provides the the sense of reverence yeah, more yeah. within the stadium itself. Yeah. But that was cool to to just sit beneath a mountain for five days. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of what uh, in, in in venues that I've actually been to that kind of surprised me. Um. I was at your old Yankee Stadium. Well, the one weird thing about Yankee Stadium was they wouldn't let you bring a bag in, and there's a bowling alley across the street where you're supposed to drop your bag off. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's really – I mean, does everybody go through that that goes to Yankee Stadium? They have to go to the bowling alley and, and, and buy a locker at the bowling alley for their bag? <laughs> well, so, so actually, it's funny you mentioned bringing bags in. That that was that was a colorful part of my experience at Lord's. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the night before the night before I was 
eating dinner by myself at some pub in London and and I was chatting up the waiter uh, and the bartender explaining, you know, yeah, I'm an American. Yeah, I'm here for the cricket match. No, nothing else. I'm literally here <laughs> for the cricket match. I'm sure the I'm sure Buckingham Palace is lovely. I have no interest. <laughs> in I'm here for the cricket match. Um, and and you know, everyone said to me, they're like, oh yeah, you're going to Lords tomorrow. Well, don't forget your picnic basket. Wink, wink. And I'm like, oh. Okay. So the, the next morning, the next morning I'm on the, yeah. I'm in the tube and I'm on my yeah. way to, to the station. And uh -huh. as we're getting closer to the station, more and more people in fancy clothes are getting on and yeah. they're all carrying picnic baskets. Wow. And I'm thinking, what, what on earth is this? And then I get to the stadium and I'm too early and they won't let anyone in. And there's this nice person who's like, oh, I noticed you don't have a picnic basket, wink, wink. I'm like, what on earth is this? So when it was finally time for me to come in, I asked, what, what is this? And the lady explained to me that Lord's is one of the few stadiums in the United Kingdom where you're allowed to bring in your own alcohol. Wow. And it's only about to be this much and it's got to be in, in the basket form, I guess. I was amazed by the amount of drinking that goes on <laughs> at a cricket match. The and entire that's another thing. thing. I can't believe Americans don't want to watch a sport where you can drink all day. All day. <laughs> Why all would they day. not want to do that? It was exhausting. It was exhausting. I'm not a big drinker. It Me was yeah, it yeah. was exhausting. But uh, you know, the entire day at Lords. The entire day at Lords, you can hear the sound of champagne corks <laughs> echoing around the stadium. Up, 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 yeah. The entire day, Jeez. and then at Newlands, at Newlands, um, a a pint of beer was like two dollars. Wow! With, with the exchange rate, it, it, wow. it was insane. That's crazy. It was a preposterous amount of alcohol by you know by noon. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way cricket should be sold in the u.s you can yes. drink all day long yeah <laughs> it, all the, as much as you want nobody cares i i've dragged a few friends i've dragged a few friends to matches in fort lauderdale and i've sold it to them as like listen yeah. this is just a nice picnic outside and over your shoulder there's a sporting match that i'm going to be paying attention to yeah you can drink as much as you want i'm driving it's yeah. cool yeah, that's the way it should be sold. I mean, that... yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to answer your question about you know uh, reverence at, at sports venues. Um, I mean, the, believe it or not, I actually did feel that when I was a little kid at Shea Stadium, yeah. <laughs> of all places, Shea Stadium. Which yeah. Is the the ultimate concrete bowl, you know. No, but, but, uh, but Shea, Shea Stadium is where, you know, the Bill Buckner miracle happens. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I went there a couple times, uh, three times actually, uh, with my dad. And that was, uh, you know, that was a pretty big event. I mean, they had the weirdest things with uh, the box seats. Have you Did you remember anything about Shea? Um, you know what? I don't think I ever actually yeah. went to Shea Stadium. Okay. They, in the lower section, they have these box seats. They have these like railings that formed the like four or six or eight seats into boxes. And I, I guess that was a thing back in like the 60s and 70s. And that was really weird. I thought that was odd that they had seats. Uh, like you go to any stadium now, like I go to the uh, Astros uh, Minute Maid Park, and they don't they don't have that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have that anymore. So I don't know where that came from. And that was a that was an odd feature that they had. So I guess like you could buy the whole box. 
is what the whole point was. If like if you had a family of four, you could buy the whole box. That's cool. What what, what I really enjoyed about um, Newlands was nobody nobody cares what the actual seat assignment is on oh, your ticket. Yeah. It, it's it's like a city <laughs> bus. You go you sit wherever you want. You're in. You yeah. paid to get in, and you know you could you could have some reflective alone time in the stands if you wished, or you could join the Barmy Army on the lawn. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you could take a nap in the middle of the day. It was great. Yeah, only only match I went to, you know, outside of uh, Fort Lauderdale was um, Cardiff, and we got because I was dragging my wife to this thing, and it was an all day match. Oh, it was a one day, you know, a one day match, and so the only way I could get her to go was to do um, the uh, VIP section where they had meals served all day long and Beautiful. a buffet, and yeah, it was great. I mean, we sat up. You know, uh, there was a window between us, and so that was kind of bad that the window was there for me. I actually got up at, like, um, the middle of the first innings, and after I got my first meal, um, I went outside and sat. She didn't want to sit with me outside because it was, like, sprinkling. It was still sprinkling a little bit. So I went out there, and I sat, and the the funniest thing, I I sat behind or uh, right in front of these this family. It was kind of a young family. They had, uh, I think, a son and a daughter. And, um, I don't know if it was the son or the daughter. I couldn't really tell they were so young, but the, the, the kids were like, like they spoke with an incredibly posh accent mm-hmm. they, they were children, <laughs> they were like, right. you know, seven or eight year old children. And, um, so we're watching the match and, uh, you know, Afghanistan is like going out for 120 or something. They're, they're bowled out at 120. And the, the girl behind me is like, mommy, Afghanistan is going to lose. And I'm going to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> They're so polite. Yeah. <laughs> it, was just, it was just hilarious. What do you What do you think of these hotels, uh, these stadia around the world, these cricket stadiums with uh, with hotels built into? Oh them? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, love that. Yeah, I mean, that's like Toronto. Toronto does that. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot that they did that. Yeah, somebody famously got caught having sex in the window. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I can't believe it's only happened once. It's got yeah. many times. But um, oh. yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that's a good idea. I mean, like uh, that would be like uh, they do that in uh, well, not not hotels, but in uh, I follow Somerset for uh, England mm-hmm. and uh, for the the county championship and the uh, Blast and Somerset and a couple of the other ones they have um, like uh, apartment buildings that ring the field basically, and you'll see them out there, you know, uh, sitting on their balcony watching the match. And, or, and they also have a, a rooftop uh, viewing section. And that's really awesome. I think if, if they were going to build a purpose-built cricket stadium in the United States, they definitely should put in, like, apartment buildings around them. There's, right. there's, a, there's a baseball stadium that I just saw in Starkville, Mississippi. I went out there. I, I, was, I had a weekend to do nothing, and I had nothing to do, so I drove from where I was to Starkville, which is not very far away, just to look around. And it's just, you know, because I knew there was a nice football stadium there. And then I drive up, and there's a brand-new baseball stadium that they just built. This is college baseball. <laughs> it's a beautiful baseball stadium. And in the uh, past the uh, right field uh, – yeah, the no, left field stands. Past the left field stands, there's an apartment building. So somebody has a dorm there, and they can just watch baseball, <laughs> uh, you know, when they're, when, they're not, uh, when they're not at school. So, I mean, the, the baseball usually starts in, like, March. So, I mean, they'll be, like – studying at school and then there's a baseball game going on behind their you know in their dorm room that's cool it's yeah. called the davis wade stadium yeah it's incredible 
Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it? I'm um, looking at it now. This is yeah. This yeah. is incredible on Google Images. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they. That's this is what amazes me about sports in the U.S. is somewhere they find the money to do all this stuff. Right. And and it's like okay. What's the what's the model to get that kind of money from cricket? <laughs> how, what do we do? How do we find it? <laughs> how do how do we get one tenth of this? Money? I know just a tenth of the money they spend on these facilities. Right. Because that's another big thing with cricket is, uh, and and you were talking about college cricket. I mean, there's just not any facilities. And then we were talking earlier about you know surfaces. You know, I, I've seen places where they roll out this plastic matting that simulates a pitch. Yeah. Have you seen those? Well, yeah. So my team, my team plays on a, uh, I don't want to call it AstroTurf, but the, the actual, the actual wicket in the center of the field uh, right. is, uh, it, it's built into the ground, but it's artificial. Oh, okay. It, it's like a very, um, I, I it, it's got the texture of a very, uh, of a very short AstroTurf. Mm-hmm, um, right. it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like grass. It feels very artificial. Um, right. and, and then the field itself is, is not particularly well manicured to, to put it right. politely, but, right. uh, yeah. yeah but it's, so the actual playing surface, you know, the part, the part that matters most, um, they're, they're not going to put the resources into, uh, maintaining it. So it's, it's good that they at least have this high quality, uh, high quality fake surface that we get to play on. Um, though th- there are a few, there are a few natural pitches around in the area and, um, I've gotten to play on both. Um, I did not last long enough in the center to notice a difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it takes, takes me a couple balls to get used to it. Yeah. And by the um, time you're gone. <laughs> my, my most recent match, my last match, you know, I, I, I say that like I'm a, an established player, my most recent cricket match. No. Um, yeah. They let me bat this time. And oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I just absolutely knew I was going to get hit in the crotch. Absolutely <laughs> knew. You know, I'm, I'm wearing I'm wearing a cup or a uh-huh. box, a, a box uh-huh. yeah. as they call it, and it's like the third ball I faced. The guy's mm-hmm. running in, form, former professional player who somehow found his way to South Florida. <laughs> oh you know, he, he's he's running in, and I have this split second thought where before he even releases the ball, I just knew. This is yeah. this is gonna hit me, <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, I get like doubled over by the impact of the ball. I'm on the ground, and and I look over, and the opposing team's player has the ball and just like sort of apologetically stumps me. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like curled up on the ground, and the the, the guy's oh, just like, not, yeah, that's not nice. Although I was I was ruled not out because I was not attempting a run. Oh, okay. Though I, though I think that was out of mercy more than anything else. Yeah, that gets us to the laws of cricket you wanted to talk about. Let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so not out for not out for uh, hitting, being hit in the crotch, but not trying to run. Right. <laughs> what yeah, is that, that the laws? That is law yeah. twenty twenty two number twenty two. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Um, I I love I love how uh, intricate and well-developed the laws of cricket are. Um, I've, I, look, I know, I know every sport has their official rule book. Every sport has their official rule book, but nobody refers to, nobody refers to the rules of baseball as a, uh, as a concept. 
Yeah. You know, they, they, it gets attributed to Andrew Doubleday or whoever. Yeah. Um, but the laws of cricket, you know, those, the laws of cricket have been amended this year. So yeah. <laughs> all the flags are at half mast for a month, you know. It's like, they have a great website, too. Have you seen their website? Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah. good. It's very easy to search. It's very easy to find things. I, I, I really like it. So the, the the book I wanted to recommend to you, it's okay. Tom's, Tom Smith's Cricket Umpiring and Scoring, okay. the internationally recognized and definitive guide to the interpretation and application of the laws of cricket. So it's it's incredible. It's it's So it's the laws themselves, but then there's pages and pages of commentary and explanation. Okay. Um, and and it's it's just such a joy to watch a test match with this book in your lap, mm-hmm. and to be to to just conceive of the number of minutia that these umpires are responsible for. Right. It, it's, just, yeah. Did you see where in the big? Uh, I don't know if you you didn't you weren't watching the big bash, but they've got these new rules. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm aware I'm aware of them, and you know, like I said, right? It's it's not. It's not for me. It's not for me to criticize. Yeah. You know, but but at the same time, like having been a fan for only eight years, I'm offended. How dare yeah. you? <laughs> how dare yeah. you? How dare you come up with this gimmick? Yeah. One of the new rules is uh, the power surge. So you can take uh, the the power play is the first four overs, and then you can take two other overs anywhere else in the match. So they had to come up with a a signal for the umpires for the power surge and it ends up being it looks like uh, mr miyagi doing wax on wax off <laughs> <laughs> everybody was making fun of that <laughs> I, I love I, I mean for the for for a normal review they have to pantomime a television yeah. screen yeah 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 i wish they would do that in the u.s too <laughs> right because <laughs> i mean there's so many things that happen and you, there's it's happening too fast you can't see what's going on so oh. just we're just gonna go upstairs right now i mean we're gonna <laughs> We don't even have to talk about it. We're just going to go right upstairs and, you know, just tell us that. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing with with the laws in, in terms of the interpretation on television is so much better in cricket than any other sport. Uh, you know exactly what the third umpire is doing at all yes. times. Yes. Yes. I think it's so cool that you get to sometimes hear – you get to sometimes hear the discussion among yeah. the umpires. Right. Um, you know, in hockey – in hockey, the play gets sent to the war room in Toronto, but you, yeah. you don't get to hear their analysis. No, no. I wish they would congratulate each other more. It's like, <laughs> a good, good call yeah, there. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Good call, Rick. Um, the actually that that was another that was another aspect of the recent New Zealand West Indies match. It, it was that mm-hmm. the one of the on the field umpires. It was his first ever. It was his first ever international test match right. as yeah. an umpire. And he did great. They, yeah. kept, they kept appealing him and he kept being correct. Yeah, I know. That was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, that was New Zealand blew a couple of terrible appeals. Like they, they had one where the ball was a full stump yes. away from hitting the stumps. And they still took the appeal. And I was like, oh, that was, I hope you don't need that later. Right. <laughs> Because that's really bad what you just did. Yeah, I mean, uh, the umpiring, I, I'm really happy with um, watching cricket. I mean, you rarely see some some bad howlers. <laughs> I mean, I mean there's, this doesn't happen, especially if it's got DRS. DRS is such a good system, uh, especially for, like, um, LBW calls. It's, yeah. You know, 
Oh, it's really? fascinating. Yeah. There's a there's a short documentary on ESPN about Hawkeye technology in mm-hmm. tennis. Uh-huh. Um, and 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 that's great. Uh, and, and it's a really good documentary. But the entire time I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, they don't mention cricket at all in yeah, this no. documentary. I think but I'm I thinking, saw that. Yeah. But but the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking like, yeah, this is fascinating. But cricket's in three dimensions. Yeah. You know, in tennis, it's two. Right. Um, so that was cool. I, I don't know how many cameras, how many cameras do you need to set up a DRS system in cricket? Yeah, I don't know. It's probably a lot. <laughs> probably a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. you you got to be able to get it from several different angles so that you can you know, calculate the trajectory of the ball. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, but it's whatever whatever cricket's doing. I mean, they just which is weird because it they don't seem to be on top of any other technological trends really (laughs) for some reason they just somebody at somebody at the icc or somewhere is really smart about uh umpiring technology yes i mean they're very image conscious right they're 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 trying so hard to preserve the the culture of the game in in, in all of its antiquated lovable lovably so in in all of those ways Uh um so you know they're they're so hesitant to adopt anything that, that changes the look of the sport. Right. They, they so like the, the pink ball, the pink ball was sacrilege, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess lighting, lighting and cricket always confuses me because they play in, they play night matches all the time. And yeah, I know they use a white ball when they play night matches, but you know, um, <laughs> Why have does you, the ball? Why can't they just use a white ball in the the test matches that are played at night? <laughs> I, I never, I don't understand why the ball has to be a different color. I don't get. It. So I was thinking about that actually. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a reason. But this this was my educated guess. Um, yeah. not not educated. This this is my armchair American guess. Okay. Is, is that um as the red ball deteriorates? Yeah. As the red ball deteriorates through the course of the day, as you approach evening, would would not the deterioration of the red ball make it appear pinker on its yeah. journey from red to you know it's wood close. chipper? That seems reasonable. Right. So so as you get in as, as a day night test match gets later on into the day, the the ball is getting progressively whiter. Right. Um. In in and and so like the the by the middle of the day, the pink ball looks the way that a red ball would look at the end of the day. Well, yeah, and you can't you can't use a white ball because they're wearing white. That's right. <laughs> right, and they have to wear white. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. could they yeah. not yeah. wear I mean, white? That's, yeah, they they can't wear any other color for test matches. The, the world would come to an end if <laughs> if that ever happened. Uh, oh, geez. So let's see. Oh, let's talk about draws too, because that was a good. That's a good topic to talk about. I mean, yes. I think, uh, you know, I did a, a super over last week, I think it was, where I talked about draws. <laughs> and, and, yeah, we were talking about that, or not last week, when I was talking with Nate. And that was the, one of the amazing things to me, was that these were matches that ended in draws, even though only less than 10 runs separated the two teams. And it's oh, like, interesting. Why, not just, why not just play another over? <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> like the one draw, the matches, the the scores were level. 
and India was down nine wickets. So if they'd have played one more over, they probably would have gotten a result one way or the other. Because, I mean, yeah. obviously so they would have scored a run or gotten the wicket. But they just said, no, nah, it's a draw. <laughs> you know, they they strictly adhere to the yeah, yeah. to the hours of play and the number of overs. Uh, you know, they, they agreed to them before the match. Um, that, that, was, that was part of, you know, my, my initial misunderstanding or just pure ignorance at the beginning, watching test massive, watching right. nervous test matches, not really knowing how much play was left. And it's mm-hmm. like, when are the umpires going to end this? Yeah. <laughs> Put them out of their misery. Um, I love a draw, right? I mean, if, if, if it's your team, if, if it's your team that forces the draw, it feels right. like a win. Right. It feels like a win. You've got to win both the offensive and defensive matchup to win a cricket match. You've got yeah. to be good on both sides of the ball. And it affects the series because you're you're trying to win the series. So yes. if you get a draw, if you're ahead in the series, you definitely don't have any problem with a draw because then you, that just takes one game away from the series, and and you're already ahead. So your your a draw is a very good result for you. And uh, if you're behind in the series, obviously you're trying not to get the draw. But um, you know, uh, like you said, if it's if it's your team that's ahead in the series, draws are great. <laughs> And and a draw a draw allows for you know it's a team sport but, yeah. but a, a draw allows for such individual heroics like had yeah. Jason Holder the, the in the West Indies match you know the West Indies now are following on for the second match in a row if Jason Holder holds on yeah. he's a national hero or sure, an sure. international hero if if Jason Holder holds on and um it, it puts pressure on a single athlete, like continued pressure on a single athlete in a way that I don't think exists in other right. sports. You know, there's, I, I explained to friends who don't get it yet. I say yet, you know, that bottom of the ninth, that bottom of the ninth game seven of the world series, sick to your stomach feeling. Mm-hmm. Imagine that feeling lasting for seven hours <laughs> <laughs> at the end of a five day match. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, they've got to get that 10th wicket. If they can't get it, then they don't deserve to win. So that's yeah. just the way it is. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I never had any problem with draws when I first understood. I mean, you know, I, I, I there used to be things called timeless tests, and they'd play. Yes. But then that was ridiculous because then they would go for 10 or 12 days, and then they'd all have to get on the boat and go home. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it if, if they did a, a timeless test at, at the, I mean, only one, right. It should be, yeah. it should be yeah. extremely special and rare and they should do a timeless test to settle the world test championship at Lord. <laughs> well, I think with a timeless test though, is that, you know, neither team has incentive to get a wicket. So there's just going to be a ton of uh, blocking and, and leaves and, <laughs> Yes, and, a, and and yeah. like I said, I could watch grass grow. And it's, um, <laughs> that sounds lovely. Okay, well, you're probably the only one. No, no, except yeah. I mean, I know it sounds it sounds ridiculous. Except you know, there would be fifteen thousand Barmy Army fans, yeah, having the time of their life watching yeah. that for seven hours a day for ten days or however many days. It and, takes. and they don't know when they're going home. <laughs> Yeah, they can't even book their return flight. <laughs> that would be funny. Whole uh, army army is there on one-way tickets. <laughs> if if you ever if you ever get the chance to travel with them, um, oh, it, I would love to. Yeah, they they put on so so that you know they've they've uh, created a travel agency. Yeah. Um, so 
the, the Barmy Army is like a booster club for the English fans and yeah. created a travel agency as well. And they are uh, they are very professionally run um, the, the tours they do. And uh, the it, it is the best fan experience. It, it's one of the best fan experiences I've ever had, for sure. Going to a sporting event, just sitting with these guys for yeah. for five days. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I don't know when I'm going to ever be able to though. <laughs> um, you gotta, you, you gotta plan ahead. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. I think, uh, I, I guess their next big trip is to Australia a year from now, probably. Yeah, Ashes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's start moving into the super overs. I guess I'll do my super over first. So, uh, so let's. I think we've, we've we've talked about mine. I mean, whatever whatever you want. Oh, it, you've already done yours. What, what was yours? Didn't we? What, no, what didn't did we? we talk about? Um, Jerusalem syndrome, the laws of cricket. Draw. Oh, that was all. That was all your super over. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I thought I I misread your email. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I misunderstood the format. It's fine. It's okay. So just, well, uh, sometimes in the podcasts that I listen to, they only do one, so uh, that's fine. So I prepared a little thing because I wrote this up for Twitter and I don't I don't think anybody even read it, but um, you might have read it. But I'm going to go ahead and read it on this just to get it into the record. We'll call that my super over. Sure. So, so here we go. So anyway, this there's a long Twitter thread that started when India started playing Australia in the test match because people just kind of came out of the woodwork <laughs> to talk about cricket and uh why it's not popular in the U.S. and all this stuff. And I, I don't really know what started it, but there's a lot of people on Twitter that love to talk about cricket. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people in the U.S., you know, Indian expats and uh, subcontinent people that, you know, why, why is it never, you know, going to take off in the U.S.? So anyway, so this Twitter thread started, and I thought I would answer it. So uh, people people are talking the uh, about U.S. fans not getting into cricket or how that might be accomplished. Here's my analysis after having been a cricket fan for 10 years now. Willow is the U.S. Monopoly Cricket Streaming Service. They established this monopoly very cannily in 2003 to fill a huge void for South Asian expats who wanted to watch cricket after emigrating to the U.S. without having to resort to dodgy YouTube streams or other methods, as we talked about. Mm -hmm. Uh, The major broadcast and sport networks uh, in the U.S. have been ignoring cricket for decades because, A, people who run these networks didn't understand it, and, B, they didn't see the expat market as being big enough to sustain the sport on their channels. Nothing runs on these networks that doesn't turn a profit by itself. The bean counters aren't going to allow a programming director to pay hefty rights fees to the ICC or the BCCI and then get relatively paltry ratings from a few million expats and the accompanying low ad sales, not when there are a dozen other proven options at any given time period. The guys at Willow got this. They knew that if they used their contacts in the ICC and the BCCI and got these rights, expats would gladly pay almost any fee to watch India play cricket live in HD. They signed up pretty much every U.S. expat cricket fan for $60 or $100 a year, $120 a year, which is about $250 million a year, and also sold ads, which is a good chunk of change. They kept the overhead low, turned a good profit, and then sold out to the enormous conglomerate Times of India. So in light of this development, any hope for the major U.S. networks to show cricket completely evaporated. Willow had captured the market totally, and competing with them at this point is a non-starter. I'm sure the networks have done due diligence to see if they could show cricket profitably, and I'm sure the survey results show that no casual sports fan is going to tune in and the expat community at its highest numbers is not going to be able to compete with the audience of 
women's college sports say. The only way for cricket to become mainstream in the U.S. is a sort of chicken and egg scenario where interest in cricket rises and causes pent-up demand for it to be shown on network cable TV, get some limited trials, creating more demand, and so on. Where is that demand going to come from? The expat market is saturated. Like soccer, it's going to have to come from kids learning the sport in the U.S. and wanting to watch it on TV as they grow up. USA Cricket understands this, but they also see it's a 30-year process. And guess who they turn to for funding this 30-year process? Willow. So the chicken has been stripped of all its eggs, which were made into omelets, and then it was barbecued. At this point, it seems like the only way cricket could ever become mainstream in the U.S. is if Willow decides that mainstream cricket is in their financial interest. At this moment, Willow fights hard for every U.S. cricket fan to maintain their precious monopoly. If they let any other network get the rights to BCCI events, they are toast. The expats will drop Willow like a hot rock if they can watch Coley on ESPN Plus, for example. ESPN doesn't compete for BCCI rights at the moment because it's a big risk for them and they have so many other easier options. A number of U.S. fans would have to be reached where ESPN or NBC Sports Network or whomever thinks the benefits outweigh the risk. And Willow either blows it through mismanagement or it thinks that allowing other networks to show cricket will increase and not decrease their subscriber base. I'm not sure if that's even possible in my lifetime. Despite all this, I think the 30-year process is worthwhile, and I'm trying to participate it by whatever means I can. Even if Willow controls cricket in the U.S. forever, and it never becomes mainstream on these shores, getting U.S. kids involved in the sport is a good end in itself, because the game has such capacity for bringing joy and fun for a lifetime, and that's a good thing to be a part of. I'll let the money folks figure out the rest, as I know they will. So that's what I wrote, and well written. talk about it. What do you I, think? I, I remember your, I, I think you're largely correct um i want to i want to touch on uh you know circling back to the the startup costs for getting kids involved but i uh-huh. distinctly remember at some point within the last like five years or so there was a bbl game on nbc in the middle yes. of the day and it was almost by accident <laughs> yeah they had they had they showed several of them on nbcsn for for and they, they were two in the morning and, and <laughs> yeah i mean you know they, they showed them live so and they and they oh. did show them throughout the day. Also, they showed the repeats throughout the day. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. It was on yeah. for one year, and that was it. Yeah, I, I I remember I remember seeing it on the television, thinking, yeah. wait, that that's not a thing. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I have a Willow subscription. I gladly pay for it. Um, yeah, me too. That, that's where I watch it. Uh, ESPN. Um, ESPN seems to broadcast the New Zealand matches. Yes. They, they've, they've consistently had the rights to New Zealand. I don't know how that happened or why. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, never looked into it. But Though yeah, on, the Willow, on the Willow website right now, they list New Zealand as one of their corporate – New Zealand Cricket as one of their corporate partners. So that uh-huh. that's interesting. I don't know yeah. how that's structured. But, um, yeah, so, so we talked about getting kids involved in cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, one of one of the things that I think is overlooked when when people talk about getting children involved is is the fact that if you're going to get children involved, that means you have to get their parents involved. Yes, as right. well. Um, you know, and I think parents parents are going to be a little hesitant to spend time and money on a sport for their kids, where you know they don't know the rules, and right. unlike soccer, most of the time your kid is not playing. Right. Right. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of sitting on the bench, but I guess that works for baseball. Yeah. Um, so so I think that that's a, an aspect of growing the game um, 
is that, that that gets a little bit overlooked is that if you're going to get children into it, you need to also find a way to get their parents into it because the right. parents are the ones with the car keys and, and the disposable income. Right. Um, but yes, Willow, Willow is, is and is going to be integral uh, to the development of the game. Um, you know, I don't have cable anymore. I, I get all of my digital entertainment through various streaming services. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't miss it. No, me I don't miss it at all. I, I, I pay for what I want and I don't need what I don't want. Right. right exactly. Um, and they've really tapped into that. I didn't know, you know, I, I guess I never thought about it, but you're absolutely right. Cause I, I always think of Willow. I always think of Willow as it was when I first encountered it, which was just this like janky glitch ridden website. <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. It's grown, it's grown into quite the sophisticated high definition service. Uh-huh. What you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned a very large operating budget. Yeah that they had i had no idea it was that large yeah they that's what they claim they said they have four million subscribers that's what that's the number that i saw wow yeah um you, you know you add the ad they, they have you know constant ads from state farm and right <laughs> basmati rice and whatever. okay so that's so, so that's the other thing uh you know on ES, espn does the same thing too that willow does where it, it's the same ad yeah yeah over and over again um yeah. uh jamie harrison made a funny joke about that on Twitter. It was like yeah. only American cricket fans will understand and made a joke about some state farm ad yeah. that, that, you know, was burned into my brain because yeah. I watched it 700 times. <laughs> um, yeah. I've wondered about that. Like how much, how much does it cost to advertise uh, on Willow? Um, it was pretty high. I, I, I was asking them just about, you know, our local, cause they have this guy that, I saw these ads for the CPA in San Francisco, and I was like, "Wow!" Oh. Yes, yes, I, I remember. Wonder what, that. I wonder what he's paying. And so I remember I, I, that I asked, guy. I, I called him up and I asked what, what Willow what they're what they're charging, and it was a lot of money. <laughs> I don't remember the exact number, but it was a lot of money. It was a lot. Like I I couldn't just do it. Like no, no. vote for me for class president. No, they, they, would not, they would not run that ad. <laughs> <laughs> well, good he's for them, customer. right? Yeah. So they're 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 charging a good bit of money for these ads. ESPN so sometimes ESPN doesn't even run the ads. It, it just says your right. your program right. will return shortly, and they I just, just think don't have like, enough ads to run. Yeah, that's right. Like if I send them twenty bucks, and, it, and it's <laughs> like, hey, tune into Tim's podcast. Yeah, like, maybe. Yeah, who knows? Better than yeah. dead air, right? Yeah, that thing. What you said about the kids, I'm the getting the parents in is really critical. I mean, I. I'm not supposed to talk about this, but I am involved in, I'm not going to say the organization, <laughs> Okay. Uh, but I'm involved in, in youth uh, cricket. And um, like I, I was in an academy, uh, 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 yeah, volunteering for an academy and they were charging $30 per session, which is, I thought was a lot, but I mean the coach, you know, that's all he does is coach cricket. So, I mean, that's his living. So, I mean, I, it was reasonable for him to charge that much money because, I mean, that's his living. And he, he has he was doing our academy and several other academies around the city. It so, was $30, $30 per kid per session. Per, per kid per session, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I, I, have a, I have a few friends who are professional tennis coaches. And, you know, yeah. it's not that, – that sounds about on par. Right. Say. 
Yeah. And but, you know, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get into schools and um, parks and recreation and things like that. And mm-hmm. they're, they were asking me, like, what are you going to charge? And I'm like, I don't want to charge anything for this. <laughs> I don't have I don't have ICC certification to be a coach. Right. I, I don't want to I don't want to charge anything for this. I, I want this to be community outreach. Yeah. We, we, do you do you know of, of any uh, do you know of, of any affinity or interest groups in your area that would be cricket adjacent like uh well i mean no that's the thing i mean uh uh, eastern area is very interesting because it it had demographics where the south asians lived down in the in where i live in in the south east section there's quite a few of them back in the 60s and 70s and 80s during when nasa was at its height Mm -hmm. nasa is you know has the johnson space center right there so when NASA was at its height, there was a pretty large population of South Asians. But then over time, they've sort of all moved over to Sugarland and Katy, which is where all the um, engineering f- firms and facilities are, uh, because that's where the oil business is located. So like ConocoPhillips and um, Shell and all these guys, they're over there on the west side of town in Katy and Sugarland. So over time, the Indian uh, expat population sort of migrated to those areas of Houston and now there's still quite a few people in um the the bay area here but they're older they don't they're and their kids are grown mm-hmm. so they don't have any kids to 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 go to a cricket uh academy <laughs> yeah so um it's really hard it's really hard down in my area to find kids that are willing to play and i as far as adjacent i, I don't know i mean you know there's really no english or west indian expats that i know of in this area so right uh, so I mean, it's to me, it's got to start somewhere. You gotta, you gotta start the ball rolling somehow, like they did with soccer. There's got to be a way. I don't know what that way is, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Um, you know, what's nice is we've got a minor league now. We've got the facility up in Prairie View, which is going to be great because we're going to have all of our uh, uh, regional tournaments there which, you know, that, that facility wasn't there five years ago. And and now it's got, it's growing and it's got like eight fields and most of them are turf wickets and it's really nice. So if, if I can get some kids playing in this area, they have a place to go for major regional tournaments and they can get into the system, you know, they can get known. They can, oh, you know, we, oh, that kid's, you know, a good bowler. That kid's a good batsman. We need to develop him. And then, you know, they can figure out with their parents, they can figure out uh, who the best coaches and things are in the area. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, when we, so we have a pathway for anybody that wants to get involved. Of course, it's not like, you know, I mean, I grew up with little league and I never cared about playing major league baseball. I just wanted to play ball. <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, and unfortunately in this, in this day and age, a lot of it is if you, if you're that good to play major league baseball, you're in a travel team already. Uh, you know, before you're 10 years old, you're already right. traveling. Yeah. And you're, you're paying, hun- your parents are paying hundreds of dollars. And then right. I don't know, I'm not, you know, I don't have any kids, so I don't even know what the atmosphere is like for kids that are just interested in playing baseball and, and not, and they know they're not good enough to be in the majors. I hope it still exists. Yeah. I, um, I really do. I mean, I, I grew up around um, soccer fanatics whose, yeah. whose parents would drive them five hours hither and yon every weekend for, yeah for these major tournaments and you know it, it's it's so hard it, it's it's so hard to find an avenue for people to just have fun outside in a casual league i mean even even the league i play in there are guys who take it really really seriously 
I was I was surprised that we had full uniforms. I thought, you know, we'll just yeah. show up. We're the red team. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, there's a proper there's a proper kit. Yeah, you, you know, it 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 is the challenge to to simultaneously get the kids excited about it, but then also, mm-hmm. you know, have the parents have the parents be cool taking a risk. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to uh, deal with that right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably do a presentation for a local uh, Parks and Rec uh, group, and it's gonna be interesting to see if I can come up with anything that convinces them. I'm gonna I'm gonna try a diff- several different approaches when I do the presentation, but we'll see if anything. There's one factor. It's like if you uh, a lot of these kids are trying to get into these colleges, and you got to have something on your your college resume that says or your high school resume that says you know i i did this activity or did that activity i i yeah. went outside of my comfort zone and did this and something to talk about at the in the essay or the interview so maybe that's what one way i can do it is like you know try something new this will be something cool for your kid maybe they'll it'll, it'll get them into ut or, or a&m or whatever yeah and and you know it ex, it exposes them to the people right. and cultures of a part of the world we don't talk about very much right, right. which I, I think is again a beautiful aspect of the sport and you know it it's a it, it's a way of building it's a way of building a community across cultures right exactly i mean that's what i was saying in the, in the piece that i was reading is like you know it's just and it's a lifetime game you can start it when you're 5 years old and you can play to you're 90 i mean it's yes. just uh, you know, people do that in England. They they can't get them off the field. You know, they're in their 70s and they're still and they're still doing it. Yeah, I mean, they just you know, it's 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 and you know, recreationally, it's a great sport. I mean, it doesn't take that much to set up a couple of plastic stumps and uh, a little bit of a field somewhere, and and yeah. you can play you can play a game of cricket. You can tape up a tennis ball and you're you're good to go. On 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 the worst day, it's a, just a pleasant experience being yeah. outside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I'm trying to do beach cricket. I was trying to do that last year. Uh, I set up a beach field during Mardi Gras in New Orleans, uh, not New Orleans, uh, Galveston. And I found out at the last minute that the beach was, wasn't open till March, <laughs> Mardi Gras in February. Mm-hmm. And so the beach wasn't actually officially open. I mean, you could get in. People were walking up and down the beach. And I, I figured there'd be a crowd there for Mardi Gras, but they were all just worried about drinking and watching the parades. So <laughs> they didn't want to come down to the beach. It was a little too cold. When but you play when you play beach cricket, is uh-huh. it York is it Yorkers only? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, uh, probably because uh, well, <laughs> I mean I I was throwing a ball out there, and I mean you got a tape ball or you know they 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 the beach cricket sets come with this like rubber ball, uh-huh. and, and it bounces pretty good. I mean it bounces fairly good on the sand if you rake the sand nice. Yeah, I guess uh, that's true. You can get the ball to bounce pretty decent. I'm gonna try it next year again. I, I like put out stuff on Facebook and I said, we're going to do beach cricket and, you know, I've made, we've made a sign and everything. <laughs> so I'm going to try it when the beach is actually open during yeah. spring break. And you can just set it up, get get like a, a, get a giant crowd of people coming. Yeah. That's the idea is there's already people there and maybe they'll just be curious and see what's going on. Join in. Yeah. That'd be great. I guess we should wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. Any any final thoughts that you want to impart for the podcast audience, whatever that is? Um, final thoughts. Gosh, uh, bring your friends. You know, tell your friends it's a pleasant day to spend outside, have a picnic, and behind your shoulder is an incredible sporting 
match that's endlessly interesting. It's incredibly nuanced. It's got a history to it. It's got a certain dignity uh, to it. The the spirit of the game is you know, the, the the spirit of sportsmanship and camaraderie. These are things that exist in every sport, but it's particularly emphasized in cricket. It's it's just a nice way to spend an afternoon. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll we'll end on that note. Um, I appreciate you for uh, being a guest. Uh, this is only the fifth episode, but hopefully I'll have a lot more. <laughs> so if Thank people you. will are interested, and um, please let me know if you're if you're listening. Uh, and they always say at the end of podcasts, but uh, you know it's on iTunes. If you want to rate it and uh, leave a comment, I would be really happy to hear that. And even if it's bad, <laughs> but uh, it'd be nice if you rated it for me. And thanks again. No, I really appreciate you. That was a great conversation. I don't know how I'm going to edit it down to <laughs> under an hour and a half, but we'll Sorry. see. Sorry. <laughs> Tim, I, I really appreciate that. But, this you, know, been... uh, you know, uh, maybe we'll do a two-parter. I don't know. <laughs> we, we could do 10 more of these, Tim. I'm, yeah, I'm okay. so grateful for this chance. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. And... Be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay.